Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we talk about all different types of sports, all different ways of training for different types of sports, and all different kinds of people who are interested in all different kinds of sports. Uh, really, it's pretty open-ended. I'm Molly Herford. I write about all things sport-related, but especially cycling and running. Uh, over at the Outdoor Edit, Map My Run, Bicycling, Outside Magazine, and a billion other places. Uh, and I also write books. And I'm Molly's co-host, Peter Glassford. Uh, I'm slightly sick or hoarse this week, so... It's just to... like a sexy cold voice. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, so my usual monotone's a little more horsey than, than usual. <laughs> Yes, but who are you? I am. I think I said I'm Peter Glassford. Well, we know your name. What do you do? Ah. For new listeners. I'm a kinesiologist, so that means I work on movement with people. So if you're, you know, getting over back pain or trying to get really good at, you know, learning pull-ups or trying to get really good at riding bikes, um, that's what I do. Yeah, and Peter had a pretty early morning this morning. It started with a 6.15 gym session for a Yes, client. we had ladies conditioning this morning. So, yeah, we were doing all sorts of different things. We were working on our push-ups and trying to get those full push-ups. And... Ah, let's... This, so this is a Q&A episode. So let's actually dive into one thing you were ranting at me today. I wasn't ranting. I'm just one of my pet peeves is knee push-ups. And yeah. I don't like knee push-ups. Let's talk about why knee push-ups are bad and what people should do instead. They're not bad. I mean, they, I guess at some point have some utility. Like if you were trying to get up off the ground, it's probably an easier way to get up off the ground to get to your knees. But uh, no, I think, you know, if we're looking, you know, if we do a plank, do we do knee planks? No, no one does that. Really, right? Like you might do like a bird dog or something or quadruped opposites. Yeah. In yoga, you would just drop to your knees during a plank if you were done with yeah. the plank. So to me, like, a push-up, a well-done push-up is, you know, a very well-executed plank where you're actually doing something practical. Right. So what I prefer people to do is put their hands onto a box. And, you know, for a lot of us, that's a fairly high box. Um, and, and then do a full push-up. So squeeze your butt, squeeze your quads, you know, make everything nice and tight and then push you know, and learn to push. Right. So the problem with the knee push-up is it's actually harder to engage your butt and your quads. Yeah, it's, if you're, you're on your just knees. not really like it's like doing a plank on your knees. No one would do it, right? Like you're not really using your quote-unquote core. Right. You know, very much. You're not. You know, there's not a huge bunch of activation there. So I'd prefer to see us practicing the actual movement we're trying to work towards because that push-up. You can see if today you're at a two-foot box, tomorrow you could be at a what would be that a foot and a half. And then down to a foot, and then a half foot, and then maybe like a yoga bench, you know, one of those steps or something like that, right. you know, six inches, and then you're down to the ground. But then on the flip side, you know, today we were actually doing a little higher reps on the push-ups, lots of practice with the push-ups, so I was trying to encourage, you know, that you would raise your hands up so that you're not grinding through and having bad form and yoga push-ups and everything else you know, rhyme off 20 push-ups. If, you know, you're, you got one good push-up on flat ground, put your hands up on a box and you can do 20. So now you get more reps. So it'd be the same as if we were doing bench press, you know, and you usually do a hundred pounds for two reps. You could also do 50 pounds for 10 reps or something, right? So it's just logical strength training. But if we go to knee push-up, it's just changed the motion a fair bit. And it has its utility. You don't always have a box. I'm not saying never do it. That's not what I'm saying, but Practice your push-ups, yeah. you know, and, and it's range of motion too. Like, I think the other thing is people think, you know, it's similar to a squat. We could do, I can do like four times my body weight for like a, a little tiny squat, but you would look at that. I'd post my YouTube video and you'd say, well, that's not a squat. You got to go deeper. 
So if I have to go right down what they call ass to grass or, you know, your butt right to your heels, right, full squat, you can't do nearly as much. But it's very hard. Right. Right? So the range of motion of exercise really changes the loading, right? We have sort of those, the leverage we get, right? So that muscle is very long or very lengthened or very short, depending on the movement. So it changes the loading. So in something like a back squat, you can actually make it really hard without having to load your back that much by going a little deeper. And then you get range of motion. So our hips have and knees and everything else have to go through big range of motion. So in a push-up, if you can get your hands nice and narrow... And you can get your hands right so that they're right in your armpits and your chest is basically on the ground or touching the box. Mm -hmm. This gets us that full arm extension where that arm's out behind us, which if we're running, if you go back to our uh, John Beverly episode on running, that was a big thing, right? We were going back with that arm, that elbow coming behind us, that hand by our belt was his cue. A lot of us don't have that range of motion. So that's why push-ups actually at the bottom get very hard. So again, if we take some of the weight, some of the loading off by putting our hands on a box, we can actually get that full full range of motion where our chest goes to the ground. Right. And actually in the yoga, so I started doing yoga glow, which is just sort chaturanga. of like... Yeah, chaturanga. Yeah, chaturanga. So I was going to say, uh, a couple of the videos I've been doing have just been chaturanga incessantly. I had a client, I think, I'm trying to remember the story, but I think someone I know, I don't even want to say a client, but someone I know hurt themselves during chaturanga. Just coming down. So chaturanga, know. for those of you who aren't familiar, it's just when you're up in the plank and you go before you go into like cobra, you're kind of coming down and well, you're doing you're doing slow, the down part of a push. Yeah, you're doing the down part of a push up. But the point <coughs> is, your elbows are super tight to your body, like like how a push up should be. But well, not normally, should, but a a, a like military push up, a military or like gymnastic styled or yes, this it's nice for the shoulder if you sort of have that rotation where those elbows get in tight yeah so anyway uh, a couple of the yoga videos i've been doing have have had a bunch of those in it um speaking of which yoga glow my new favorite thing in the world it's sort of like netflix for yoga um was she on or no Who no was, we, we had aaron taylor we had aaron taylor uh jazz yoga yeah jazz yoga yeah, so what I've been, I've been kind of experimenting with a bunch of different yoga programs. I'm very into Tara Styles with Strala, Aaron Taylor with Jazz is one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I've just been playing around with Yoga Glow lately, which is like Netflix for yoga, where they just have a ton of filters. They have over 4,000 classes on there, so you can go to a filter and you can say, you know. Chaturanga. Chaturanga. You can't say that, I don't, th- I, I mean, maybe you can. I bet you you can put Chaturanga. But you can choose, like, I want a vinyasa flow and I want it to be 25 minutes. And, like, boom, a hundred different flows come up. Or, like, the other day I actually typed in just PMS and 30 minutes. And there were, like, ten different options. It was awesome. Uh, so that's, that's been really, really cool. really random. I mean. What was it? Like, a lot of twisting poses? Uh, it was a half a, like, just more chill flow. It was, like, that's, a relaxing, like, deep breathing. Yeah, yeah, a bit of deep breathing, but, like, also just some stuff to, like, release cramping and things like that. So, yeah, gentle twisting. It was not a, not a really like fast, grinder. hard flow yeah. or anything. Yeah. And it was not, uh, there were no inversions, because that's actually pretty bad for when you're in a PMSE or... I could see that, I guess. During your cycle, it's not the best. Sure. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) that's been really cool. Um, Like I said, I've been on that yoga every day plan for a while now. It's Actually, the month is almost up, and it's been... I don't really feel like I want to stop doing it, so that's great. 
I'm not really counting down the days. I'm just and you're it. have you decided on what you're gonna do for your yoga teacher training? Not yet. I'm still looking at options. So if anyone has any uh, things that they particularly loved or hated during yoga teacher training, I am all ears. Because uh, we're free starting in February, uh, so I'm gonna be looking for something sort of in the spring. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm open to like the you know, two sets of 10 days or, you know, weekends, but they'd have to be in the greater Toronto area, I think, for that. But yeah, so just trying to kind of figure out what I want to do with that and where I want to go and how I want, which practice I want to really focus in on. I think I'm a vinyasa person. It's very sun salutation-y, quick flowing. Right. Okay. Uh, anyway. What, what else is on today? Oh, uh, well, let's let's talk for a minute about strength training, only because I want to just casually brag that I squatted my body weight today in a back squat five times. It's pretty exciting. It's not really that exciting, I'm sorry. But you've been lifting a lot. How's it going? Peter's been showing off his abs lately, too. Just so everyone that knows you can hear that and ask to see them. I mean, it's an important metric. Yeah, I've been really into the ab roller lately. Uh, I did that, what, two weeks ago? I think I talked about this two weeks ago, yeah. and then I like couldn't move. Molly's not good at reading reps or sets, so she was supposed to do two by ten, and I think she did like five. Seventy? Yeah, she did a lot of times. She just put it between every exercise. and. I was doing like six rounds of deadlifts, and you said, oh, do the ab roller between them. I didn't know you meant only do it a couple times. There was an assortment of things to distract you between, but... Uh, yeah, but I did them all ten times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's good. No, I like... It's nice. It's nice to see progress. You just sort of go in, and I'm a big believer that you just sort of go in and move it a little forward every time, and, you know, if you're sick, like we happen to be this week, it's, you know... Today I got another sort of move my back squat ahead a bit, but didn't strain on it too much. Um, and yeah, just moving things. It's really nice. I mean, you can do it with intervals on the bike too, um, but I think in the gym it's just really obvious. You just keep your little notes and you can see that load increasing, right? That, you know, five rep squat and you just add five pounds and add five pounds and mm -hmm. add five pounds. And then you look back in, you know, three months and you've added however number of weeks that is, 12 by five. What's that? That's a lot of pounds. 60 pounds. 60 pounds. I mean, it, it moves ahead, right? And that's just in three months. And, you know, this is how you, you know, you can sort of gauge how you're recovering. You know, if it doesn't move ahead one week, you're like, okay, well, I need to take a little bit of extra recovery. And then you go back at it next week or you mix it up. So, no, I like the gym. It's a good way to just sort of changes it up from the bike a bit. And yeah. All right. And then it's fall. So we've been sort of taking advantage of the last... You know, up in up in Canada, you never really know when it's suddenly you're going to wake up and there's just a foot of snow at your door. So I think we've been trying to, like, eke every little bit of outdoor activity out of mm -hmm. these last couple weeks of fall since we had a weekend off with no racing this past weekend. So, Are there any good racing updates for the cyclocross people who are listening? Uh, well, this week I head down to Cincinnati to help support the Aspire crew for that, and then we go to Louisville for Pan Ams. I think in Louisville we're going to sneak down your BMX bike so we can sneak into Mega Caverns, which if anyone has been or hasn't been, go or go again. It's the coolest indoor bike park. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, hmm. that's the plan. Yeah, you, me, and Brandon. Yeah, I don't know if I want to bring my enduro bike or my BMX. 
I don't know. That's that's a decision to make off the air. But yeah, so Louisville has uh, Pan American Cyclocross Championships, and then we actually head over to Europe and start the, you know, season of supporting World Cups and riding around in Belgium. Pretty excited for that. Have there been any good stories this year, or you know, things that the general populace would find interesting? <laughs> the big story seems to be right now is the lowering of female barriers. Oh yeah, there's this weird. Thing so in cyclocross, people have to get off their bike and hop over these like wood planks, and they're talking about lowering them for females. I was wondering why don't they just raise them for males? I don't because the point is I think to make it more spectacly, and if they raise them, then the guys are gonna have a harder. Yeah, but time. it would knock them back, and there'd be more guys flipping over. Ah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe we should just start adding fire or like spikes yeah. that come out of the ground. Yeah. I feel like that was like this kind. Con- and I mean, maybe I'm wrong and it is a bigger deal, but I think it was like a suggestion that got kind of picked up and like super, not blown out of proportion because it was a big deal, but like quickly de-escalated. I think it was just the one race was decided they were going to switch it. And that was the issue. It wasn't that the UCI was changing it. No. I think it was just that they had to get sort of permission to change the course essentially between the races. And the female racers got really upset about having barriers lowered for them because I mean, it just, it doesn't really make any sense. And then on the flip side, I was just, we just had a big, the OCR world championships. So obstacle course racing, we had Ryan Atkins and uh, Lindsay. Lindsay Webster have both been on the podcast talking about obstacle course racing or like mud runs. Really early episodes, actually, if you want to go way back yeah, in the pretty archives. early. Um, and so in that, I guess it's the same weight. So they have to do things like a farmer's carry, like hold two weights, you know, a weight in each hand and walk up a hill. And then they had to do like a yoke carry. So put something over sort of your neck and, you know, haul a bunch of buckets, heavy buckets up, up a hill. And I guess it's same weight. And so all the rope climbs are the same, all the carries are the same for men and women, old or young. I hate to say it, Peter, but I think, I mean, the ladies at the gym were telling you this, you would probably be really good at it. And I'd say you're actually probably the optimal size for obstacle course racing, both well, from a male and female perspective. They seem perspective. to really be emphasizing uphill running. So, I mean, that's beneficial. And I mean, there's a power to weight in the rope climbing and stuff. It would just be like, some of those guys are really strong and... You're sort of just right though, because you're you're like a good weight where you're strong enough and like heavy enough that lifting two thirty five pound kettlebells to get up a hill would not be yeah, it super depends, challenging depends for you. Game. I don't know. Some of those guys are pretty beasty. Where he's like, I don't know. I'm just saying, a ninety pound female is gonna have a lot harder time farmers carrying seventy pounds up a hill compared to even like a hundred and thirty pound girl, right? So could be. Tough, tough field to Anyhow, be a tiny I'm just saying, person. It's different, different sports. It doesn't have to be. You know, a lot of sports have <laughs> this same loading. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and carrying weight up a hill is perhaps a, you know, harder than stepping over pieces of wood. Totally. All right. So next year, OCR racing for us, I guess. Yeah, I guess just sim- simply on their stand on equality. Yeah, uh, I'll have to start farmers carrying more. Um, okay, so. On that note, what is the most consummate athlete thing you've done lately? I don't know. I think just trying to get to sleep here with the little bit of cold and stuff, just trying to prioritize getting to bed. That's a pretty good consummate sometimes, athlete Sometimes thing. you got to do that. And Molly was away, so when she was away, I spent a lot of that my time just walking. So I walked, like, most of those days were, like, 20, 25,000 steps. And I was then, so bitter. And I was out on my bike a fair bit. And so I was just trying to move a lot, right? And it's sort of, a, it's odd, right? But, like, rather than sort of sitting idly or, 
you know, whatever. I was trying to go out and visit people or whatever and just stay outside and moving while the weather was decent, but trying to do that in a, a movement-oriented fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my most consummate athlete thing I've done lately is uh, I might have just accidentally joined a crit team for next season. Uh, or not accidentally. Definitely on purpose, but it was not something I necessarily had like put on my to-do list, but... A good friend of mine called and asked if I'd be interested in racing crits with her on this team she was putting together next season, and I used to be pretty heavily into racing on the road, and, you know, was pretty decent at crits, so sort of agreed to do that, and I'm actually pretty excited for what the training is going to look like for that. I like the racing crits because we only have to race for, you know, 40 to 60 minutes, it's sort of a great one for staying with the consummate athlete thing because I can still strength train and still run and do all of the other stuff. It just adds a little bit more specific bike handling and bike training. It's nice as a team doing. aspect. I guess I'll give you the consummate athlete. I'm super excited about that. I haven't I think been the on idea a team. was that we were doing less cycling, but... Uh... Uh, I mean, you, yes. But I haven't raced a bike in like four years, seriously. Right. So for me, it's actually coming back to something I used to do quite a bit and, you know, really enjoyed. And I loved it because of the team atmosphere. And that's definitely something I've been missing. So I'm really stoked on that. Um, and then I guess you kind of just touched on it with sleep. But what's the best healthy addition to your life lately? I don't know. Do you have a good one? I have two good ones. Okay, good. That'll... <laughs> well, I if anyone has read my blog over at the Outdoor Edit, I wrote sort of a more serious for me thing about just uh, what dealing with just fatigue in general. And by that, I meant mental and physical and emotional. And Peter can attest to this. When I came home last Monday after a couple weeks on the road, I pretty much cracked, like pretty hard. Um, so I guess the healthiest thing I've done was I came home and I actually took a really relaxed week and slept a ton and, you know, didn't do a ton of running or like serious, you know, really heavy weightlifting or anything like that. I just, you know, tried to give myself a bit of grace and took it easy, ate a lot of salad, um, yeah, slept for a bunch of hours, did some restorative yoga, did a lot of hiking. But yeah, I think I'm kind of almost coming out of it. I started very happily writing a lot more again over the weekend. So yeah, I think that was the healthiest thing I've done. The other thing is I got a pair of blue light blocking glasses called, uh, they're from the brand Prospect, P-R-O-S-P-E-K. Um, and I really think they've actually help my eyes a lot with the computer it's one of those things where i put them on and i realize that my eyes are relaxing oh so you're not wearing them at night as much you're wearing them during the day or wearing them when i'm working on the computer for a lot of hours Hmm. um i've been trying to remember to put them on at night when i'm reading on my ipad but more i'm putting them on when i'm like typing and doing a ton of stuff on the computer where i'm just staring at the screen yeah And I think it's been really helpful for just stressing my eyes a little bit less. And actually, that was sort of on the recommendation of Brandon Olin, who was last week's guest, who talked a bunch about making your workplace a little bit better for the consummate athlete lifestyle. Right. Um, He didn't recommend those glasses specifically, but I did some research. And they're pretty inexpensive. I think they were 25 bucks on Amazon. And 
yeah, I like them because they actually look like regular glasses as well. So I don't feel really doofy wearing them. Like Peter, when he wears his like grandpa glasses to read at night. I mean, they're pretty sweet. They're not sweet. Let the record show. I think I was thinking about this. So my, I have two things. Okay. Maybe three. You've been thinking about this in the yeah. last 90 seconds. So this sort of leads us into another question. We have another question about 30 minute workouts, but so a short answer would be ab roller. I always thought it wasn't good, but it actually, if you don't go crazy with it, the abs get a good workout, but it's also like a really intense sort of planking sensation. So it does help you sort of keep that spinal alignment or, or whatever you want to call it. You keep your back from, you know, letting out when you're under load. Um, so if you're a cyclist and you deal with sort of low back pain, uh, to me, this done well and responsibly, so rolling out to the point where you feel your back's going to, you know, sort of move mm-hmm. and then holding that for a second, coming back, going back out, and that would be your reps. Uh, I find that this is pretty good. The offside is that it's also, I believe, made my abdominals look a little nicer, which is never a bad thing. Um, and it then, is when he keeps going around lifting <laughs> up his shirt and asking about hey, them. Hey, Marky Mark, you know. Everyone likes Marky Mark, right? No. Yeah. Most people don't know who Marky Mark no. is anymore. Might have to include a now, photo in the show notes. Now, I have a theory that for cyclists who are struggling with back pain, if you couple that with a bear crawl, so essentially crawling across the room, crawl back, ab roller, crawl across the room, crawl back, you will experience back pain, back discomfort, back fatigue. But if you slowly progress that over a matter of weeks... I think you'll be pretty good. So we're increasing that loading, increasing that exposure to that sort of flexion, that sort of demanding load on the the low back. Um, You will look like an idiot. This coupled with crawling. Like, I think crawling is just, this is the new thing. This is crawling. We're all going back crawling. Okay. So we're really regressing in our evolution. Yeah. So to me, if I had 30 minutes, like, and I had my, you know, even with, you don't even need to buy the ab roller. It's pretty cheap to buy a side of winners for, like, seven dollars or something the other day you could make one pretty easily with like a barbecue wheel or even like uh any sort of wheel really and a handle um i mean you could just plank i guess you could but you could plank you could plank with your arms further out um but what you can also do is just use like a cloth like a drying towel for like a dishcloth and use like a, a smooth floor like a hardwood floor uh, and basically your hands will slide and so you can sort of step you know slide your way out and that's nice because you can actually like use one hand to come back if you're if you need to be tender with that if you do have sort of low back discomfort mm-hmm. um, but yeah there's lots of ways to slide you can do it with a uh, stability but we actually did that today at the gym too a little bit so a, a nice way to sort of ease into that motion is to actually be on your knees put your hands on a stability ball a yoga ball or what else do they call them like a physio ball uh, and just sort of roll out onto your forearms, basically. And you'll feel that sensation of that sort of like, oh, that's like I can feel that in my back. Huh. Feel that sensation for a second, come back. And again, keep your rib cage down, keep your abs turned on, um, and just progress that over a few weeks. I like that. Um, I will add the other. I'm just going to keep going with these like healthy hacks here. There's really just one. But... No, I'm going to add another one. I know. Sorry. Uh, did you have another? No, that okay. was several. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, well, I like these. I think they're they're good. And we haven't done this before, so just adding one more is we brought our pull-up bar back to our new place. Uh, we hadn't had it for a while. And not necessarily just doing pull-ups, although that's, you know, pretty awesome too. It's really nice to just be able to hang from it and just sort of let your 
like practice some grip strength, practice some hanging, which is sort of a precursor to being able to do pull-ups if you can't do them. So I feel like most people wouldn't get a pull-up bar until they could do a pull-up. Yeah, and this is just, you know, again, you can go to Winners or some yeah, sort of place. Yeah, this is like the $20 the door, frame door frame one. Yeah. And like no, they can go to handy. any door frame. And yeah, it's just really nice. And I think even just from like a release standpoint, just being able to just like hang on to it and then just let everything drop uh-huh. just feels really good. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, especially when you're biking a bunch and you're really hunched over. And even, actually, we have it on our office door. So if we're sitting at the desk for a while, it's sort of nice as you're walking out, just like... Do a 10-second thing there and just re-straighten, re realign. Yeah, it's great. Um, actually, let's dive into one of the questions, which is about the idea. So I had asked on Facebook about what people do for if they only have 30 minutes in a day to work out. And I didn't think I was going to get a ton of responses because it's, you know, pretty basic question. But it turns out a ton of people only have 30 minutes to work out. So a lot of people have really good answers and it ranged, you know, some people had a couple of good bike things that they do on the trainer. Some people just say running. Some people have running workouts that they specifically do. Some people did yoga. Some people made crass jokes. Um, some people talked about, you know, stretching. Some people joked about napping, which I mean, fair enough. Um, so Part of the question I'm gonna say is, what do you do when you only have 30 minutes to train? But the other part of the question was someone commented a really lengthy string of comments and I'll you know kind of paraphrase it here. Basically his issue is he's willing to believe that the 30 minute workout isn't a bad thing or is a good thing, but like can't bring himself to do it both physically and emotionally. So if he can't get in a two hour ride, he's just out. He has no interest in a 30 minute workout. He like emotionally can't deal with the 30 minute workout. Um, and he really, he's really just wondering how to motivate himself to get in that 30 minutes. So I guess, first of all, what is the benefit of a 30 minute workout versus just skipping it for the day? I mean, I think that's sort of our endurance mindset, right? Like a lot of us like to tear that bandaid off really slow and feel really tired. But I mean, anyone who's ever done like a, you know, most of track events on the bike, um, a 10K run, 5K run. I was going to um, say, if you're doing the 10K in half an hour. You know, 400 meter repeats on running. Um, any sort of rowing event is usually going to be much shorter than that. Anyone who's rowed probably rows under 30 minutes, you know, unless you're really into rowing. Um, there's a lot of disciplines. I mean, short track mountain biking is 20 minutes. So there's a lot of things that, like, you're pretty much done with it, and it doesn't even take half an hour. Like a short track mountain bike race, you could warm up for 10 minutes, you know, and then hit 20 minutes hard, 15 minutes hard is probably even enough. Um, so there's a lot you can do. So I think, I don't, did anyone respond to your thing? Well, what's the goal? Like, what are we doing with this workout? Are we like, are we just trying to ex expend energy? Are we training for something? Uh, no one actually mentioned that. So, I mean, it's probably telling based on the answers what people are maybe doing. They might not, they might just be trying to move and distract themselves and, you know, get in their daily movement and that's, that's a fine goal. But I think to me it would depend, like one of the cool questions, and I think this comes from Dan John, actually, my favorite strength coach. Um, Dan John's books are amazing. I think I referenced this in one of our last episodes. I feel like you like his writing more than you like mine and that really hurts. He's a very good writer, but also if you want to get amped for strength training, he has really any book he has written, I'll probably get you amped for it. I'll um, have to link to a couple of your sure. favorites. 
Um, but he, he likes to ask people, you know, coaches and stuff, if you had only 15 minutes three times a week to train, what would you do? And so what he's trying to suss out is what people think is the important thing. Um, and then often the interesting paradigm is that people aren't actually doing the thing that's the most important thing. So if I turned to you and said, well, mm, you know, that 15 minute mountain biking effort on like technical terrain, mostly uphill, you know, really, really hard, like really hard, like over race pace, even that's the most important thing. If I only had 15 minutes, that's what I would do. And then if you looked at my training, Peter, how often do you go as hard as you possibly can up, like mostly uphill up a 15 minute thing? I'd be like, mm, probably once a month. And they'd be like, okay, well, that's probably, you should probably do more than that. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting question to ask someone what they would do if they only had 30 minutes, right? Like, it's, it's almost like, what would you take the deserted island, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that one's sort of a weird thing because especially when I asked it, I was sort of implying, like, from start to finish. And when you add in cycling, especially mountain biking, I mean, how long does it take you to get ready to go for a mountain bike ride and get to trails? So I'm talking, like, you have 30 minutes, like maybe say an extra five to put on your shoes or whatever but yeah i mean i mean that's an excellent point Don't I, get I would, wrong. I, it were at me i would and i weren't just at the trails then i would probably ride the trainer right because you I'd could probably still do, emulate that right i'd like, probably do 30 seconds on 30 seconds off for 30 minutes or maybe a minute on minute off or some variation of that for the for mountain biking yeah, and I mean, it seems like a lot of uh, a lot of the coaches that I have talked to for this article I'm working on have said really similar, like very fartlek style, like on off on off. Like whether you're intervals. yeah, it whether you're running or riding. Um, for running, I would probably do five k's. Yeah, build I mean, build up with a slow one or two. Yeah, walk one, walk one. No, that only take ten minutes though. Probably drills, and then a slow, like, half K. Yeah. Then a 5K hard, maybe. And then I thought, like, there was a lot of, like, good stuff to be said for, you know, a couple of people said just easy run or even walk, um, which, I mean, fair enough. Like, if you only have 30 minutes, like, maybe, I think part of it's mental. Like, what's going to get you in the best headspace? Is, you know, a really hard workout going to leave you feeling like crap or is it going to make you feel like a rock star to get so, the rest yeah. of your day And with those, if we're so time crunched, like if the reason we only have 30 minutes is because we're so busy, like it might be like, well, just take, you know, rather than parking directly at the place, like park further away and walk there and back and that's where you'll burn your 30 minutes, but at least it'll be like 30 minutes on the dot. Yeah, more and more restorative, I think, like as far as your mental energy goes, because I find, you know, for some people, like a hard workout's going to tap them out. So yeah, maybe some just yoga or stretching or whatever is going to be what you need that day. And maybe for the gentleman who doesn't want to work out for 30 minutes, like that might be like, think about it, like how will you move today with like, you only have 30 minutes. So today's going to be, you know, your walk focus day, you're going to work on low level aerobic and, mm -hmm. you know, some of that hip and arm and ankle mobility yeah which i think might actually be kind of a problem for as you said the endurance mindset is they kind of forget the i'll say consummate athlete lifestyle of you know just because you only have 30 minutes like that doesn't mean you should park your butt in your desk chair and like just crush work for the day no like even if you're riding for two hours or three hours or whatever like you should still be doing 30 minutes of other movement not just sitting on your bike yeah so yeah, I mean, even that like wake up and spin on the trainer for half an hour fasted would be another way I would probably use that. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a lot of ways of looking at it, but you're never going to be sad that you did 30 minutes of some kind of movement, whether it is a hard workout that you're going to count as a workout or you're just 
doing a walk and like oh, yeah you know getting another outside. if you're talking about bang for your buck the other thing i would do is if you had your trainer set up then i would do a ramp test so i'd do three minutes three minutes three minutes three minutes so you do 10 three minute blocks and each one would be slightly harder so say 20 watts every three minutes um or one kilometer an hour every three minutes or i guess you could do miles but that gets hard pretty quick um and so you set it up however you want so it could be 100 watts and then how far would you go like i would get really hard in the last one for sure if you did 20 watts um but if you kept it the same and you knew that like once a week say every monday you only have 30 minutes to do something it's a really nice way especially if you're sort of like easing into it in the morning starts really easy and then it's sort of just like slow boiling yourself Mm -hmm. but you get a little bit of data on how your heart rate response is and how does you know does 200 watts feel like agony today or oh wow 200 watts you know four months from now is going to feel really easy you know so it's you're basically testing yourself so that 30 minutes now just became way more beneficial you get a little bit of sweat at the end because it's hard but it's not so hard that like you're knackered yeah Um, but you get that little bit of data that's a good one. Yeah. And then I think, I guess, the last part of his question was talking about, like, so when it's a rest day, yes, 30 minutes of walking, like, 30 minutes of yoga, something like that would definitely be the obvious one. Intervals, we if you have an interval day and you can't do the full thing, we just talked about a bunch of options. What if you have an endurance ride on your schedule? You have a three-hour ride or a four-hour ride or whatever. What would your best half hour be? Would it still be to just hit intervals? Not in place of. I wouldn't do it in place of. What if that's your only option, though? Like, something came up, and now you have, like, a business Most trip. Most people could probably skip it, but, I mean, the 30 minutes fasted is probably a good way to do it. You know, 30 minutes really isn't that long. You probably shouldn't eat when you're doing that anyhow. You could maybe increase the intensity. Like, if it's an endurance focus, the thing is you're just not really going to, you know, the fasting will maybe help a bit with that signaling. Um, you could maybe increase the intensity a bit, but I mean, once you do intervals, it's a different workout, which may or may or may not fit. But I mean, traditionally, you would be doing intervals one day and endurance the next day, right? Yeah, but it never makes sense to just straight up skip it. Like, even if you have thirty minutes, yeah, that's it's what still that's what minutes. I would do. I would just take thirty minutes and just you know work on your cadence or you know just spin easy and let's move on. Yeah, that's fine. Most um, endurance athletes are probably have a sufficient endurance, so. Ah, uh, the other thing we haven't touched on is a 30-minute bike skill session just in your parking lot. Yeah, I mean, you can do, like, so much of this stuff, like, even strength training, like, most of the stuff you can get done. A quick warm-up for 10 minutes, a couple heavy squats, a couple heavy, like, upper body stuff, full body, whatever, and then you're out of there. Like, 30 minutes should be enough to do most strength. And yeah. For sure, bike, r- ride to the local park, five-minute warm-up, do 100 log hops, do 100 corners, come back home. Even for a road racer, like... 100 corners in the industrial thing. Practice hopping onto the curb or over the pothole. I'd say that's actually probably the best solution for an endurance ride that you can't do. Would just be go out and do 100 corners. Because if you can cut 10 seconds off your, you know, crit pace or Mm -hmm. road race pace because you've nailed corners, like, that's going to do so much more for you than that three-hour bike ride the one time. Sure. So, yeah, thinking, I guess, laterally about other stuff you can be working on. A lot on. of people talked about, like, I think Eric Baddies was just run really, really run hard. Run really, really hard. I mean, Eric's a beast. Like, let's be Yeah, real. but he's also in that situation a lot. And yeah. so he is the type of person that would get up and just run really hard for 30 minutes and then come home and away you go. Yeah, I think I'll say my best advice to this guy that asked this specific question is just make yourself do it a few times. Like, you're going to start realizing that it's good. Like, he has a more of a mental block right now about that. 
And I think if you I guess the benefit is probably where he's getting it, but I mean, most races are won in well under 30 yeah. minutes. And so I would just think about it as practicing those key moments. I would just practice like staying in, in fit shape. Like, frick, if you can only mm. train Not under... even, like sometimes we overthink the like fitness and the endurance. Like it's the key moment. Like you're practicing that moment where you have to put in a thousand watts. Sure. Like, so do three sprints and go home. I'm just like, saying, to me, no one ever, if you look at your power curve, probably 50% of us, me included, there isn't an effort over a thousand watts. Most of us should be able to push a thousand watts, yeah. you know, 800 watts, you know, it depends on your body size a bit, but sure. like, I'm not very good at sprinting and like, you know, if I worked on it, then I start being able to do that. And those are the things like it gets you back in the group. It gets you away from the group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that pull up mindset too. It's that full contraction. Um, a lot of us are missing that, and it just takes a little bit of a warm-up, full focus for a little bit, you know, seconds, 10 seconds, go home. Yeah. And you'll be amazed what that, it's those key moments, those key moments are what a lot of us, me included, are, are missing a lot of the time. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing people are missing, and certainly, you know, in this case, like, Yes, the optimal workout where, like, all of your conditions are perfect is great. But I think way too many people will just skip the workout entirely if the conditions aren't perfect. I mean, how many clients have you had in the past that don't finish workouts or don't start workouts because the weather sucks or, Mm -hmm. you know, just, like, one little tiny thing is You're better to start and see, for sure. Yeah, so even if your time isn't going to be perfect. Let's move on. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, cold season. Uh, it's here. We've both been sick this week. That sucks. Um, how do you decide when to keep training? I mean, the traditional thing has always been when it's in your head, you can keep training. And I don't mean in your head like you think you have a cold. I mean in your head like above your neck. The neck check. Yes. The neck check. Uh, but I'll say, having watched you this week and knowing myself, I don't actually believe that that's always the best advice. Yeah. I mean, I think if you ask yourself if you're sick and you say yes, then it's probably good to limit. So the 30 minute workout might be a good thing to consider. Um, and just keep it easy. Do a half of what you had planned, you know, and if it gets worse, I think that's the other thing is like thinking about it more day to day. So I'm really bad because I generally don't get that sick. I can, <laughs> like, I, like I can still keep moving. I rarely am like fatigued. Like neck check really is like sore throat. So you start getting, you know, sore throat and you can't sleep because of that. Um, really, really bad cough, uh, fatigue. Like you're really looking for that body ache and fatigue. And I generally don't go down that path. So I can just go out and I like riding my bike and, you know, just drill myself into the ground. And then the next day it gets worse. So if it gets worse, then that's a good sign that like you need to do less you need to do something so yoga is great walking is great um you know keep yourself warm but to me that's the thing i like to look at is okay today i feel sick i didn't feel sick yesterday so i should probably just take today easy and see how tomorrow goes if it gets worse again i need to just take it easy again if tomorrow i'm a little better let's just you know play it safe maybe i'll you know, ride a little longer, but I won't go super hard or do intervals because I don't want to blow, so to speak, that cold and all that, you know, the head cold down into my lungs. If I get better again the next day, okay, good. And keep on that progression. 
and just wait. Usually a good rule of thumb to me is if you're feeling good and ready to go and no symptoms for a day, just again, wait a day, <laughs> get a day in again, that 30, you know, maybe that light endurance ride, light endurance workout, and then you're good to go. Um, but I like to look at it like that. Like if today's worse than yesterday, then it probably means you need a day off mm-hmm. and it might mean you need six days off. Yeah. I think what I've been doing and I've noticed, and maybe this is just because I've been doing yoga. So a little bit more inversion just as it happens, but I find for me, I think the best new rule of thumb is like if a downward dog hurts me because my like head feels like it's going to explode because right. of the sinus pressure, right. that's a good sign that it's still an off day or like a really easy day. So hence a lot of hikes and walks and stuff this past week. Right. And I mean, to me, when you get a cold and maybe this is more personal, but you know, I got home this week and it was finally the first time I've had in two weeks to sort of take a breath and kind of get over that fatigue that I was saying has kind of swarmed in. And it was as soon as I could actually relax that I suddenly got this cold. So to me, the cold was sort of a sign to be like, no, like you need to keep relaxing and keep sleeping more and deal with this fatigue stuff. So to me, the cold is actually a warning sign in a lot of ways. It's just your body telling you to like, no, like let's let's chill for a bit. Yeah, it could be. So, and that's not maybe, everyone. Maybe like you, you could to, just you might have needed to wash your hands a bit more. But. You could just catch yeah, you could just catch a cold. Like that just happens. But I find it very telling that mine happened at the exact moment that I finally could take it easy. Right. So I really see it as my body's way of suggesting I slow down a little bit more and not use this week as like my ramp up week right yeah it's tough when you're traveling right like you're whether you're in the airport or driving you know you're at gas stations and you're in airports airports are probably the you know next to I don't know the doctor's office are probably the worst place to go oh apparently city bikes are also bad I just saw yeah so I think you know as far as prevention like it's just it's hard you know so eating well and sleeping are probably your first lines of defense and then washing your hands and trying not to touch your face or especially on those travel days the trips to the grocery store trips to the airport trips to the city bike Um, once you're sick my my go-to is the neti pot you do love the neti pot. It definitely helps with any of that congestion. Like as far as functioning a bit and, you know, not, you know, last night I was coughing a bit when I got to bed because I heard of that sinus and neti pot and just make sure all the water's out of your sinuses before you try and go back to sleep. I think there's a risk of drowning or something uh, with <laughs> the neti pot. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, I'll I think if you word. do it right before bed and you have water in your sinuses, I don't know what happens. Something weird happens. I don't recall huh. what it is. I don't think you drown, but. Yeah, I don't think you drown. Um, but you just blow it, you know, blow your nose, basically, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, that and then j- lemon, honey, ginger, so like a full thumb's worth, like your own thumb size worth of fresh ginger, blended in like a magic bullet. Makes a very spicy, you can add cayenne if you're really bold. Really spicy, you take that two, three times a day, at the first sign of a cold. Apparently, the like acid of the like ginger and the lemon... Um, the sweetness of the honey, you know, if you believe in the medicinal effects of honey, that's great. Apparently it helps. Manuka honey. Uh, if you want the next level, I guess. Um, and you want to spend a crap load of money. Yeah. I, I don't know if the effect is the same with like the Billy Bee. I think you probably want some local honey. That's like actually honey. Um, all that to say, apparently it helps keep the cold virus from clinging on or something. So sure. Uh, and if you're not a vampire and live alone, uh, you can go for the garlic thing. I do I not. I don't know. I've never, like, I try it because I think it'll work, but. 
You tried I, it. I never. A lot. I've never had like, oh, I was getting sick and it was gone. Whereas with the ginger, I've definitely had like a couple days where I thought it was coming, thought it was coming, just stayed on it, never came. Well, if we could just stick to the ginger and skip the full clove of garlic, that would be swell. Well, there you go. So that is <laughs> that is sleeping. If you can find a couple extra naps, get in bed an extra an hour, which I mean, your body will make you do. But sometimes if you can get on that on the front side of things, it it definitely helps. Just speed things along yeah absolutely all right so there we go uh next thing our next question why should someone train in the off season and by training i mean structured training because we've been getting you know you hear this a bunch as people are hitting the end of their like racing season and they're sort of ready to quit structured training and quit the coach and all that kind of stuff why why stick to anything yeah, I guess I'm biased in this. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say, yes, obviously you're a coach. So but... generally, I prefer to work with people uh, on an ongoing basis. You know, I, I said it, I don't know who we are talking to, but I you know, definitely consider all my athletes, you know, most of them are moms and dads and, you know, regular people. And I consider them all athletes. And so to me, we're moving forward on all this bike skill stuff, this lifestyle stuff. You know, we're fighting through cold season. We're, you know strength training we're working on some body composition in most cases and this stuff is like you don't really get to take a break you know you're not an olympic athlete that's come off of a four-year you know cycle um so you know certainly if you've just come out of road season and then cyclocross season was stacked on that you're probably going to feel a little burnt out on racing and you need you know a week sort of where you don't you know talk to coaches and you just really step away from your bike and you don't do much you let your body recover but pretty soon after in my mind you want to be back you know, working on that, what we might call preparation or early base phase, where we're working on any niggling injuries, you know, that IT band you just nursed through, that foot or that shoulder that we've nursed through the entire season. And, you know, we need to get working on that. And then we need to get back training. Um, and this is, you know, almost without fail. Again, if someone's burnt themselves out, then yeah, you got to go take care of that. Um, and that will probably mean not training in an official sense, but that means working with someone. Um, so it really depends, you know, if someone's considering someone an athlete and they're trying to upgrade and get to, you know, they're talking about provincial championships and that sort of stuff, you know, it, it's an ongoing commitment, um, to the training, you know, and, and it's not the same as an Olympic athlete in, in many ways. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a good point that so much of, you know, the, ba the stuff that a coach actually does happens in the off season, like the skills and the body comp and that kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's just not stuff you can work on when you're in the middle of race season. It's At pretty hard. Point, well, it's everything comes in phases, right? Like, you know, race season is the fun season. That's when we eat the cake is what Steven Seiler, you know, he referred to as you, you bake the cake, you make the cake all, you know, you train and you train and you train. And then if you've done a good job, then you get to eat the cake during race season. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of motivation and energy for race season. Right. But you got to recover and then you start back easy, lower structure. Yeah. But there's a structure, there's a mind, there's a purpose to that, right? That's why, you know, it's training, you know, there's a purpose. So I've just gone through pretty much through my base one. And this is a lot of that, you know, working on some shoulder injuries, working on some side to side hip balance, some basic endurance, a lot of flat road riding, gravel riding, you know, on flat on the bike, you know, working back up my speed skill cadence work. Um, you know, and it's a lot of it's monotonous. I hate riding flat ground. Um, you know, I hate skipping cyclocross season, but I know that I wanted to get that base with a little bit of, you know, strength work in there with the focus on the strength. And again, that low end endurance so that I can start building base two, base three, 
um, and start working towards mountain bike season next year. So, you know, that's, and it's, again, I'm not going to the Olympics. I'm, you know, technically a master and working and everything else. Right. So it's trying to balance all that stuff and it's, it's not that far away. First Canada cups are in March and, you know, everyone wants to do the early season, you know, March, April gravel grinders and spring classics and, you know, be fit to go to California to do their, you know, camp with their buddies and stuff. And that stuff comes really fast. And yeah. And I mean, I think I'll also add in, I guess, a pitch for you almost, but you know, we, we're up in Canada and I mean, just cause you can't ride outside doesn't mean a coach can't help set you up with, you know, what outdoor activities are going to best serve your race goals, whatever they happen to be, whether you're a 5k runner, like, you know, there's different things that are going to have different effects for you. Um, you know, inside trainer interval workouts, it's so much better if you can have a coach sort of helping guide those along. Yeah, I don't know if that's a pitch for me, but the... Pitch yeah. for structured training, I, I mean, I that's guess. where you should have a purpose, right? Like, why and how are you cross-country skiing? And sometimes it's that, you know, the cyclist will try and go do a five-hour ski the first day, which I am guilty of doing. Um, and so it's just, you know, sometimes the coaching aspect or having a plan is that reminder that like everything in due time. And if we start now, and this was, I, I did a post, which we'll link to about when should I start training for my big goal? And the answer is basically as soon as you can, when you're healthy and ready to go, because like everything in due time, we talked about the strength training, you know, you add your five pounds every week, you don't hurt yourself and you keep adding five pounds. And in three months, you know, you've added 60 pounds. So if you've added 60 Watts, it doesn't quite work that way. But if you've added 60 Watts to your FDP on your bike, or you've dropped, you know, whatever number of seconds off your running pace, if you're a 5k runner or, you know, your pull-ups, if you're an OCR racer, you know, this is all gradual, gradual progress. It's very possible over many weeks, but it's not possible if we start in February and want to race yeah. in March. Yeah. And from a timing standpoint on the topic of goals, you know, if you go three months in your off season without any kind of structure, you know, you're likely to end up going backwards somehow, whether it's you've gained 10 pounds or you've just lost. It's usually a combo. Yeah. Like lost a bit of speed. There's weight. There's, and then people get into the you know, spin classes or videos, trainer videos and stuff. And okay, it's, so it's all fine. In, in but again, it's easy, like yeah. ease into. So like yesterday, the problem with the trainer videos is that they start and it's often just like an hour as hard as you can go 30 minutes. You know, everyone wants to know what's that hardest workout for 30 minutes. And sometimes the hardest isn't necessarily the best. So sometimes you're just better to do three by 10, you know, bottom of say the threshold zone or whatever the intervals are you're doing doesn't need to be maximal all the time and that's the message is really if you start now you get to do not to steal another dan john thing but the park bench you know workouts is one concept that dan john talks about most of the season we're in this general preparation phase and so we don't have to worry about the times and the standards and the when you know the what he calls the bus bench workouts where we're worried about what time the bus is coming if we're sitting on the bus bench we're worried about times we're stressed we're urgent most of the season we should be on a park bench feeding the ducks we show up every day you know the ducks get fed some days there's a lot of ducks some days there's not many some days it's raining some days it's not but we're there we put in our time once we get closer to race time that's the bus bench so that's when we really got to be focused and really pushing those limits and really on those you know suffer videos right you know really pushing the limit for what we can do for 60 minutes but if we keep edging up, you know, how many ducks can we feed in 60 minutes? Why are we feeding ducks? We're Isn't in the park. Bad? I'm trying to really build this this picture for people, to get them excited okay. about this 
Mostly general notes. preparation, moving things forward. Move a little bit more each day. Yeah. So, so that's that's start now, enjoy the process, every other cliche. Yeah. I was going to go with like a simple time thing where, okay, now you've lost three months or like set back three months because yeah. now you have to lose that 10 pounds that you gained. And then your kid gets sick or work right. gets crazy and you're now on like a crazy business trip. So the reason it makes sense to start training for the goal now is because stuff is always going to come up. Stuff so, comes up. I mean, Christmas, your entire December to January. Yeah. You know, how many months or how many days you're going to lose. Um, you know, it's it's very tough as a regular person, right? You're going to have that year end at work. You're going to have tax time in April. You're gonna yeah. Have, we have family day in February. There's March break. There's... Man, Canadians have a lot of holidays. We have a lot of holidays, which can be really good. It depends on your kids and work and everything else, right? But yeah, the, the message is you're going to get sick at least twice. You're yeah. going to get a cold. So we're going to lose some weeks there. So it's just better to keep things moving ahead. Yeah. Keep things moving ahead. And I think... Don't rush. Yeah. So our last question, I think, is going to basically be the same answer, but... What if you don't have that goal race yet? Like, what if I'm just saying, like, okay, I finished this season, I'm in my off season, I don't really know what I want to do next year. Yeah, it's, I think there's a lot of general things. I mean, the, the strength training to me is a no-brainer, no matter what athlete or person you are. A lot, it, it doesn't have to be complicated, right? There's, there's squat, you know, there's maybe deadlift, there's, mm-hmm. you know, the variations of the squats. There's a lot of full body stuff. You don't need to get too crazy. You know, it can be boring for some people, but I think once you get into it and appreciate the improvements, you can put enough, you know, Molly comes in and trains with me a couple times a week and it's always a little different, but it's ultimately the same bunch of movements. Um, I think the strength training is where I would start with most people. The walking, no brainer that everyone should be doing that. Um, so, I mean, to me, that's, that's there. You're right there. That's your preparation phase. You go to the gym two, three times a week. You maybe do a bit of yoga and then you walk. If you like riding your bike, go have fun riding your bike once or twice a week. If you like running, keep running once or twice a week. Yeah. And that's, that's preparation phase. Come back to me in a month. Tell me if you have a goal. If you don't have a goal yet, we're going to keep going with that preparation phase. And I'm going to keep asking, did your squat get a little bit better? Did you get a little bit more range of motion? Did you get it? You know, are you more, how's that hip? How's that IT band? You know, okay, here's a couple stretches, little things you can try, try for that. How's your walking? Have you started walking a little further? Did you walk a little harder, a little more variation? You know, going back to that Katie Bowman podcast, uh, the movement nutrients she talks about, like, are you walking a little more off-road? Are the snow, now it's snowing. Are you walking on snow? How's that? Um, and just keeping, like, it, it can be very general. It doesn't have to be, you know, you're going to this national world championships to win yeah and again this is most of us most of us there is not this obvious big thing you know i have nationals in july as a just a rough placeholder i'm talking to my friend adam and we're, we're talking about maybe doing a stage race together on the mountain bike um the ladies at the gym say i should do some obstacle course racing so i'm you know that's included and in, i can do a bit of monkey bar stuff and more pull-ups and stuff and but again it's all strength walking do the thing you like to do yeah not too much yeah consistent And I think if you're in a bit of a motivation deficit, what I've found is actually working really well for me is doing like little 30 day challenges for yourself, whether it's, can I walk every day for 30 days? Like Mm -hmm. making it kind of a competition with yourself, if that's sort of your jam. Sure. You know, in this case, like I already walk every day. I already do my morning 10 minute routine every day. 
now can I add an extra yoga class every day? I think that's a great way to do it, right? So can I do the, I mean, Ryan Leach has that great 30 day wheelie challenge. Right. So there's tons of those out there, but yeah, you and can I, make your own. I mean, that's, that's giving you a nice change in things, right? Cause we do want that variation and you know, most things you'll see an improvement in some aspect of your, your fitness or wellness just by changing stuff. Right. So that's, we also just don't want to go and do 20 minute threshold efforts constantly. You're going to see that get old mentally and also just physically you're going to adapt to it so if you mixed in yoga one week and then the next time you were going to some you know pilates class for a month or you know again mm-hmm. like you say this week you're working on or this month you're working on whatever wheelies yeah you can progress that right yeah. and you'll keep little bits that's the nice thing about fitness is you know we all keep those you know you, you know that you have that one drill you had a coach that showed you this one thing you know, this one gymnastics instructor showed you this one stretch, so you like to do that when you warm up. Um, you know, you really like doing wheelies, so you just keep doing wheelies, but it's yeah. not a structure. You just throw a couple wheelies in at the beginning of each ride. This is how good habits form, right? Is that 30-day... It's habits. I think it's also just you, you get competent in different things, right? Yeah. So, you know, once I learned how to wheelie, now I wheelie every ride. Just yeah, it's really annoying. It's, you know, I, it's just I like to practice it, right? But it's not something that I, like, put on my agenda to do. But there was definitely, I did the Ryan Leach wheelie challenge and, you know, I I have done variations of that and where it was much more structured, right? So, yeah. All right. Hopefully that's something for the people without the goals. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, If you have any more questions, as always, you can head over to consummateathlete.com and there's a contact form. You can leave us your questions. Uh, And just a note, if you're listening to this on iTunes on your phone right now, if you could rate and or review us, it's you much can easier do that, that in your phone now, guys. It's so exciting. Yeah, it's um, very easy. Super easy. So please take like the two seconds and we have right f- now. And we yes, do that. We'll give you two seconds. There you go. Okay, good job. Oh, that was a rush to that. Uh, we, we didn't <laughs> say steamboat. Um, and then also, if you have any ideas for guests, we definitely want to get a few more recorded here before we get into the busy, you know season uh we're headed to europe for some cyclocross stuff which makes recording kind of hard because we're six hours ahead so yeah yeah so if you have anyone you want on or you know someone or you're you're an awesome consummate athlete or you want to get on and you know maybe be part of even a QA, you could ask questions or you, we could ask you questions oh i like this. that that would be awesome too so definitely you can either tweet at us I don't know if you, can they DMs us? They can DM. Okay, well, yeah. I, if you know what a DM is, I don't. So try Molly, I guess, on that. And then also we have a form on consummateathlete.com uh, where you can send us just a note. Tell us you like us or hate us or who Please you want to Please don't tell us you hate us. That's sort of mean. It's good. All types of feedback. All right. You guys <laughs> get after it. Go for a walk. Lift some heavy stuff. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review. And while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford and Peter is at Peter Glassford. If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast, or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.